Scott Wilson is an Aboriginal man from the northwest of Australia. I've known Scott for a number of years. He's a real leader in his community. He's an advocate for mental health. He's a creative and a business owner. Scott has managed to lead his production company, Ice Cream Productions, and is currently producing a cartoon series which will be available for everyone in the coming months. Um, Scott goes deep around his personal story, um, starting up as a, as a young Aboriginal man living in the Kimberley, going to Hale School, and then coming through and finishing his anthropology degree um, at the University of Western Australia. So I'm sure you'll enjoy this podcast as much as I did. Um, If you do feel uncomfortable at all listening to this, uh, there are several different um, mental health support lifelines uh, for you to get in touch with. You've got Lifeline, uh, which can be used on 131114, Headspace and uh, Black Dog Institute have a bunch of information around mental health promotion and understanding to help you get through these challenging times. Anyway, without further ado, here is Scott Wilson. All right, Nanyi Gili, Scott Wilson, Nanyi Gili, Jawandi Guru, which is um, Jawandi uh, is my skin group, and I'm Scott Wilson. Nanyi Guniindi Yulu, I'm Guniindi man from the northwest of Western Australia. Um, all of my family span from Broome all the way up to the uh, Northern Territory border, and so I have all my family all spread out there. But my language group I follow from my mum, which is from uh, Fitzroy Crossing, a little community just outside of Fitzroy Crossing called Mulija, and my dad, who's a Gajarong man uh, from Kununurra, which spans all the way from Kununurra all the way through Carlton Hill Station through to the Northern Territory border. And so, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here today to talk with my brother from another mother. Yeah, <laughs> lucky. Um, and uh, yeah, just to go on and uh, do I yarn, yarn. And uh, yeah, I'm just so, yeah, privileged to be able to do that. Happy days, man. Well, it's great to have you here. And uh, it's funny that we're both in the same state, um, but yet we're still vir- connecting virtually. It's kind of bizarre, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think we're making the most, you know. So what have you been doing in this kind of crazy, um, crazy time, like throughout your days? Is it Because you, you're usually doing a lot of presentations on the road, speaking at schools. How are you finding shifting that into your, into your new way of work with COVID and everything? Well, as probably everyone would know it's quite a uh, difficult uh, transition, uh, especially for those that aren't, I, I guess, uh, privileged with that uh, ability to work from home. I think a lot of people are struggling with that fact. And I think a lot of work has been jeopardized because of that. But I've been very lucky to have uh, jobs, uh, work in various industries that have allowed me to work from home. And, uh, but it has been difficult uh, being trapped in uh, within four walls of my uh, little uh, room back home. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of making sure that I'm always talking to people and uh, calling back home. I've been calling home every day and my mom and dad have sent this array of uh, checklist of things to do, whether it's uh, get disinfectant, disinfect everything, you know, <laughs> it's get, get sanitizer, you know, it's uh, this huge list of things that I need to do to maintain my health. And I hope everyone aren't, I guess, going crazy with it, um, but uh, definitely keep healthy, keep that hygiene going. And uh, yeah, just always communicate. I feel at the moment what's helping me is that communication. And often when we isolate, we kind of isolate everything. We stick to ourselves and that isolation can impact our social emotional well-being. 
And so make sure that you are out there communicating. We have these digital platforms now that are and can provide that for us. 100%, so, um, man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's, yeah, let's get into, um, I meant to start off with, but you're a bit of a quote, like a favorite quote that helps you stay strong um, with yourself. Do you have a quote that you like to, like to, well, it's actually, I was going to take, take it a bit differently and actually I share a, a part of a poem, actually. Great. Um, there's actually two poems, a uh, section of it. Uh, one first one is by Thomas Gray and he says, many a flower have bloomed unceasingly and wasted sweetness upon the desert air. And that kind of translates to that everybody, I feel, has this purpose. You know, uh, Everyone is born with this uh, gift, you know, that uh, sweetness. And my whole life, uh, even though at times I tried to deny it um, and struggled with it, I cannot actually deny that sweetness to the world. And uh, a lot of the times, you know, through the systematic uh, oppression that, you know, as Aboriginal people, we tend to get caught up within is that we cannot deny the world that sweetness. And many of that sweetness have been denied just through that desert air. And so all the people out in community, you know, we could have various uh, like life changing cures. We could have inventions, all these different things that are just trapped in a community you know, with someone who doesn't know that they have these opportunities or even not sure about that support to actually make sure that that sweetness does not stay within that community, but is able to expand beyond that, you know. And right now we're working so hard to provide our young people with those opportunities. And, uh, yeah, I feel like that, I guess, poem always resonated with me, as do uh, Robert Frost, this final poem, which says, there were two roads diverged in wood and I, and I took the one less traveled by, and that had made all the difference. And uh, oftentimes I felt that, you know, there are the roads that are catered for us, that are mostly uh, paved for us um, because of, you know, because of them we can, because our ancestors and our uh, elders that have worked so hard to make sure that we don't struggle today. But now there's a shift where sometimes it's not about going the path that's already been there. It's about going where there's no path and leave a trail. And so that is kind of why, uh, my why is about finding that way and to create a path for other people. Um, and so, yeah, those things resonated with me and I hope that uh, connected with a lot of people. And uh, if you do, definitely check out Robert Frost and Thomas Gray and just poetry in general. Uh, words can change the world. And, uh, yeah, they've helped oh, me. <laughs> I love that, man. Where did you come across those two? Well, I've one? actually, um, so I listened to a lot of motivational talks and um, from Les Brown to even Robin Williams, uh, rest in peace. And uh, a lot of what they say is so it just cuts to the core and it's no bullshit. It is just real and reality and it's just in your face and it's often challenging, but it just switches that uh, switch in your head where you go from being just doing life to being conscious of your actions and what you're doing, what you're eating, uh, how you're connecting with people, your relationships. You're actually grounded to be conscious of how powerful you are. Oh, mate, I love it. And so do you share those quotes often with your year 13 talks and things? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, when we, I actually, uh, when I've spoken to schools across, so we've actually, with year 13, 
and uh, our Truth Project, uh, spoken to, I think, close to 50 schools across New South Wales. And every school wow. I share my story. And I talk about all these different uh, quotations. And uh, I share that with my story. And um, uh, just recently, I had, because uh, I share a lot of the, I guess, I guess intergenerational trauma um, that I've faced, uh, not only through gener uh, stone generations, but also through a lot of statistics uh, that face Aboriginal people, much like the 96% of Aboriginal people will be affected by a suicide in Australia. And at a very young age, I lost my brother uh, to suicide. Um, and uh, that I share that story. And, um, and I often say that it's not about what happens, I guess, around you or to you. It often, what matters most is what happens in you and you standing up inside yourself and actually navigating how you're going to react to those situations. And uh, yeah, and that's kind of, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, my mentors often come from those motivational talks. And I, I share that and I actually combine that with my actual experiences in life, so. <laughs> Yeah, Mate, I, I love it so much. You've got so many um, epic ideas and, and, and your story. You know, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, speak to a couple of young people who had the uh, opportunity to connect with you and hear your story in these talks. And, you know, you are, are a real beacon of um, strength for a lot of young people coming through and older. Um, and I just want to acknowledge you for that and, and sharing oh, your stories, how important that is. Um, but I think we might rewind it back. I think a lot of people out there, you know, you're doing all this really dynamic stuff, like from, you know, I want to hear about ice cream productions. I want to hear about year 13 and what you're doing now and a bunch of these different ventures, which has essentially made you far more resilient in this marketplace, given what's happened with this virus that's kind of taking the world by storm. So let's wind the clock back a bit to, you know, where'd you grow up as a boy and, uh, and went to high school and all that jazz. All right. Well, uh, well, not too long. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, if we were to rewind it back, I'd like to say You're an old bloke now. You're an old yeah, bloke old now. Yeah, old fella now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still in the youth bracket. Yeah, yeah. I moved up to 35 in Broome. Uh, you're still yeah. youth. <laughs> uh, so basically, um, growing up in Broome, uh, I actually had the privilege of following my mom. Uh, so she actually, uh, just to share her story a bit. Uh, she was a part of the tail end of the Stone Generation, but she moved on to taking those kind of experiences to drive her to create some crazy awesome things that impacted the community in Broome. And so my mom is literally one of the founders of the first Indigenous publishing house in Australia. And uh, she did a lot of the work, anthropological work, which I don't think she realized at the time, uh, but actually shaped the way uh, Yaru, Nyambaburi Yaru, actually with all of their language and that preservation and helped a lot. And so uh, taking on that strength, I saw a lot of that work alongside with my mom and my grandmother, June Oscar, uh, the Commissioner for Social Justice. They worked a lot together to creating these small changes in communities, which ultimately were big changes. Um, and so from that, I uh, was able to move around actually. So uh, in primary school, uh, St. Mary's Primary School. I moved around from all different schools, but what it did was opened me up to more so understanding my people and the communities and uh, the conditions that my people were living in and kind of all of the things that really impacted on them and their lives. And I 
started at a very young age kind of sculpting my why, you know, and it was kind of my why that really set me up to have the strength to make decisions, decisions about my life. And it was at that point, you know, I had lost uh, one of my cousins, as I said before, uh, brother to suicide. And uh, at that point I'd be, I'd been losing a lot of family members uh, to drink driving, all these different things. And uh, a lot of the deaths, um, as well as seeing the conditions of my people had driven me to understand and be conscious of, well, really my life and where I can take it and how I can impact on my people. And so at a very young age, I kind of had to make that choice. And so I got the opportunity, which is awesome. There's a funny story, actually. Um, <laughs> what happened, right, is that my, it's funny, uh, my mom at that time was working in the uh, prison system, corrective services. So she had moved from founding that indigenous publishing house now to teaching language to now the corrective services. And uh, a huge private boarding school, Aquinas, called. And they were like, oh, they're very interested in me going to school at this big private boarding school. And they called my home and my dad answered. And my dad said, oh, hello, Robert speaking. And they said, oh, who is this? Uh, yep, uh, this is Aquinas College. Um, we're here, we're wondering if we could speak to Marilyn, my mother. And they said, and my dad responded, oh, sorry, she's in prison at the moment. Uh, <laughs> And so from there, they never called back, uh, but I was lucky. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And so I was lucky <laughs> enough. I would have been an Aquinas alumni, but I am so happy, <laughs> proud of being a, <laughs> a hail boy. And so uh, from that, uh, I always say, oh, it was because of my dad that I went to hail school. And uh, <laughs> Oh, no. I bet a bunch of those Aquinas mob would be pretty upset not getting you there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, no, it was a pretty funny story. Um, but yeah, so I went to um, Hale, uh, uh, Hale School in Perth. I got a great opportunity and it was from there that I really... Uh, that's where we first met, hey? Yes, I'm pretty sure that's where uh, part of Future Footprints and doing all that. But I'm not sure if you had graduated Christchurch by then. Yeah, yeah, I did. So I was coming, remember Will Clappen was there and then yes. you joined ICEA and the yes. NAIDOC event. That's and right. um, yeah, that was champ. That was that was, that that was, was times. Remember, this guy's a big bloke for being year eleven. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it worked in my favour, but unfortunately, I stopped growing, and then everyone went to at least <laughs> eight, eight, seven foot. <laughs> yeah, you 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 grew early, but then you grew a lot stronger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, <laughs> now nah, it was good times. You know, I think those are the times that uh, really shaped who I am. Um, and more so in the progressive state of my, I'll call it a metamorphosis. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was there that I actually took up any opportunity that I could. And, um, like traveling to Vietnam, Cambodia when I was only 16 to visit orphanages, uh, see the conditions of uh, in Phnom Penh, especially uh, with all the intergenerational trauma there from the Khmer Rouge and the Pol Pot's regime. Uh, a lot of the historical stuff that happened within Vietnam, Cambodia, and those effects and actually comparing that to currently, you know, the conditions in Australia for our people that from seeing the third world country uh, and then seeing the third world backyard that we have, it kind of started to align in terms of understanding what is kind of needed in this world. And I 
had directed myself into exploring all these things to fully understand it from a first person perspective and have my own kind of, uh, I guess, opinion on it based on that uh, first-hand experience. Uh, that took me straight into university. Uh, at that point, no one in my, like the male figures in my entire family had ever gone to university. And it's crazy, the statistics in terms of I was statistically more likely to go to prison at that age than to go to university and uh, as an Aboriginal person. And so I wanted to do that and kind of shape the way for my younger siblings and family and community members to show that they could actually have this as a pathway. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, so I now have my degree in anthropology and indigenous history and heritage and my bachelor of arts degree with an offer yeah. to do my masters, um, which I'll definitely want to go back and uh, <laughs> back into study later on. And I encourage any of you, uh, don't ever, it's not about being great to get started. For me, it was always getting started to become great. And uh, I wasn't great uh, in terms of my academia, uh, but when I worked on it and to share this thing, I never finished a book. Literally, I don't read. If I read a chapter, it would just, I'd be like, what the hell did I just read? So I had to work out ways to actually counter that. And so I listened to a lot of audio books, um, a lot of audio books for a lot of the texts that I had. I struggled. I had to focus on my lectures and all that. I struggled with reading whatsoever but I made it work for me which allowed me to really excel really and be in control of my learning um, but from there it kind of took me to various industries like at one point I was working uh, as a explosives technician uh, with ammonium nitrate fuel oil for FMG yeah which is crazy uh, but up until that point uh, I had studied a degree to literally help my people to actually fight against land rights, uh, to fight for land rights and uh, sovereignty and uh, provide native title. And that's kind of where anthropology, where I wanted to take it. Uh, but it actually grew into something much bigger. And so anthropology ultimately allowed me to actually apply for this huge graduate program. So while I was out there on the mine side, thinking of ways on this, on how, on where to take my life, I applied for this huge graduate program with the prime minister and cabinet. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a crack, probably won't do it. Uh, there was the indigenous option, but I thought, no, I'm not going to just do that because apparently a part of the indigenous condition was that you only get a specific part of Prime Minister Cap. Uh, so I applied for the overall Australian Open uh, graduate program and I was awarded in 2017. Uh, <laughs> and 2017? Yeah, 2017. And that year I packed up and I moved to Canberra and it was crazy because um, at that point I'd gotten really fit and I always wanted to play rugby. And I thought, you know what, when I go over there, I'm not just going to do that. I actually, I'm going to play rugby. And instead of starting small, I emailed Brumbies. I'm not sure if anyone used no Brumbies and I emailed them. I literally jumped on the Google. I went to Google and I was like, Brumbies. Yep. I uh, went there emailed them and they emailed me back, asked me about my history in rugby. I said, I have no idea how to play rugby, but I want to be a professional athlete. And they said, well, I told them my history. So at 16, I actually represented Australia with the National Indigenous Football Team for AFL. And it was from that, that that allowed me to actually jump into their preseason uh, program with the first grade feeder club in the Brumbies called West Lions. And so I went there, booked everything. They supplied accommodation. And just from that simple email, I ended up uh, debuting in my fifth game with their first grade uh, feeder club in the Brumbies. 
and from there it started to take off um, with the rugby, um, with my career within prime minister and cabinet. And so it was there that I actually used my anthropology to work within the behavioral economics team of the Australian government, uh, beta, or we say beta here. Uh, but uh, it was there that I kind of really started to put the puzzle together as to what I wanted to do. And my why was to impact social change for my people. And matter of fact, it has expanded to impact social change for all that suffer under low socioeconomic disadvantage. And I tried to do that through Prime Minister and Cabinet. And at that point, I felt it will take me 10 years or more to get to a position where I could actually provide that social change. And so I actually met up with a fella that was uh, actually wanting me to speak for their company. And I thought he asked me, oh, his name is Benjamin Egmelis. He's a stand-up comedian, but he was also managing director of this huge company called uh, Miramal. And he asked me to speak for them, uh, facilitate one of their cultural awareness programs. And I was like, yeah. And then as we were sitting there in the coffee table, I said, oh, he asked me, what else are you doing? I said, oh, at the moment, I'm developing a cartoon series, writing a film, uh, creating all these different things. And he was like, what? And then I said, well, I want to start a company. And then literally months later, he came on board and we created this company called Ice Cream Productions, where I'm there sitting in the room with all these actors and writers and they're speaking my uh, script into the camera and I'm illustrating all of these animations and all these crazy things and it started to spiral out my creativity. And I all, I, I'm just generally, I love creativity and I'm always creating. There's not a time that I stop creating in my mind. And uh, this was a segue into an industry that would allow me to do that. And so currently, uh, I have my company. It is my first year anniversary and we have a web series coming out. I can't really say too much about that. I have a uh, comic universe that I'm working with Gestalt Comics to create my Aboriginal superhero universe, uh, working with a bunch of actors from black comedy and all that to create our own collective to build this huge uh, empire that we can actually be in control of our narrative as Aboriginal people. Uh, but also our music festival as well. It was all about uh, trying to impact in every area possible. And that's what Ice Cream Productions is. It's a creative central hub that is able to impact through creativity in all these different areas, whether it's music, television, publications, social justice, all these different things. And we had built that to holistically do that. And it's just, it's just blown me away. I, I, it hasn't really hit me in terms of how big it's growing so fast. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and now, yeah, and now, and now this has gone down. Um, which I'm sure you're still got a plan. You're able to stick to that plan. You've got, you know, funding aligned to support you to make this happen. Cash flow, things like that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so at the moment, uh, while Ice Cream Productions is uh, still. Uh, while progressing in its early stages of um, uh, initiating, I am working as part, so I am a facilitator and programs development manager uh, for Year 13, which is currently Australia's largest youth digital platform. And uh, we've actually, that's who actually has provided me with this platform to go and talk and connect to students across New South Wales. And we're slowly expanding to Queensland, ACT, 
and now we're actually speaking to all the schools in Australia in line with our digital careers expo uh, that has been uh, formulated in light of a lot of changes. Uh, we've had a conference called Yes Summit, a Youth Engagement Summit that has been cancelled due to uh, COVID-9. And so instead of us not doing anything, Year 13 has worked so hard to create a way that we can engage our students across Australia. And so with our digital platform, we are actually speaking to a lot of schools now to provide webinars, free access to information, content, services, all of those uh, kind of information while all of these changes are currently happening. And so uh, that's what I'm currently doing today and tomorrow and over the next few weeks is contacting schools from Western Australia, Northern Territory to make sure that we connect to as much students across Australia and provide them. And I will be doing a webinar as well um, in line with Aboriginal and uh, Torres Strait Islander, uh, uh, the stuff that we're currently doing in that kind of space. Um, but also uh, I'm currently doing work as well with Aurora Education Foundation. So Year right. 13 and Aurora Education Foundation has pretty much saved me. <laughs> and, uh, especially now because uh, the ability to allow me to work from home has been just crucial to a lot of these changes and uh, uh, the reason why I actually chose uh, well wanted to become a part of Year 13 and Aurora Education Foundation was because of that impact within youth in Australia mm. and uh, so that is just Two of the things that I'm doing aside from my company, as well as um, being lucky enough to be selected to be one of 14 uh, youth advocates for youth mental health in Australia. Yeah, uh, so I'd love to. Sorry, I'd I can go on. Yeah, yeah, like I, I can, <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. But mate, I'd love to actually. You know, a lot of people where Ion came from for me was actually you know similar to a lot of mental health initially was you know I want to create safe spaces for me be able to connect with my friends, my peers, my loved ones, my family, either in person or digitally, remotely, and using Ion, the platform is doing that. So I think we might, before we get into Ion, I'd love to you to share, like, you know, you've done a lot of stuff with Headspace over the years. You know, you're a bit of a mental health advocate. And, uh, you know, I'd love to just share a bit of light on, like, some of the messages that you do in the uh, talk around the mental health and suicide prevention stuff you've done. You know, I know there's so much and we could do a whole podcast on it, I know. But um, yeah. I'd love to kind of get a bit of an insight on, you know, uh, you know, in these challenging times, you know, what can um, people do to stay mentally resilient and strong and, and things like that? Uh, who can they call out to? Who should they contact? Things like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, as I said, um, just following what you just said, Lockie, is that as one of 14 youth uh, advocates for mental health in Australia, We've actually been uh, creating a national initiative uh, to impact not only mental health, but the specific areas within that, like stigma, self-care, help-seeking, and also uh, literature around uh, social emotional well-being. And uh, we've actually launched the Visible platform. Uh, it is a platform that uh, we've worked uh, with Headspace and Milo and Co., a creative uh, a company, to create this initiative called Visible. And that is basically at its most uh, shortest form is that it's making visible communities, uh, individuals, collectives, people that are actually have been impacted by mental health, even those that feel like they haven't been affected, but still feel 
uh, well, I feel like every person uh, in the world will be impacted on by mental health or even the ability to actually be mindful of their social and emotional well-being throughout the course of your life. And so if you are struggling right now, uh, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, what has helped me was actually staying in contact with a lot of people. I feel like the stigma to speak and talk and share stories has always been there, especially for Aboriginal people. But to destigmatize that, it comes with us actually talking. And so if you're there and you're able to actually reach out to your friends, I know that for me, I was unable to get back home and now all the states have closed down flights to go from state to state. And uh, I had been feeling the pressure of that and uh, it had finally hit me in regards to me not being able to go home for another six months. And uh, I feel like that contact and the digital platforms that we have I have stayed really close <laughs> with a lot of those platforms, whether it's Snapchat, whether it's TikTok, anything where I am able to see my family, uh, communicate with them and contact with them. That's kind of what I do, especially music. Uh, year 13 actually uh, did a survey and looked at what year 12 students actually, uh, what actually remedied a lot of their stress and their social emotional well-being. And it said that close to 80% said music was one of the remedies to stress and actually the kind of mental health kind of impacts. And so I listen to a lot of music um, at the moment, um, especially my motivational talks and all those kind of things. It is kind of a real mission to stay positive, really. Mm-hmm. Like it's not mm-hmm. just this easy uh, thing to do. And uh, so if you are struggling and it's going beyond that more individual processing, and you need support, I really recommend and encourage you all to reach out to whether there's uh, youth services in your area, whether it's Headspace, whether it's uh, Black Dog Foundation, whether it's Butterfly Foundation, all of these uh, Beyond Blue, all of these mental health services that are there for you. And uh, obviously at the moment, uh, I'm not sure what they're doing in terms of outreach, but there are opportunities and programs out there that actually go out and outreach uh into communities and so uh please do not feel ashamed with uh the struggles of what's currently happening i feel like that stigma in itself can be burdening on your soul basically and it's right now up to us as people um to really break down those barriers and start to talk and even honestly put that onus on a lot of other people to actually encourage that conversation and actually call up that friend you haven't heard from or even be conscious of all these different things. And so if you're at home and you're just thinking about your mate, guess what? You have a mobile right next to you. You can pick it up, send a message. You can even send a funny video. You can send anything just to reach out and connect. You know, we haven't been so connected and disconnected at the same time in the history of us as human beings. So it's time to really understand the true potential of that connection through our digital platforms. And so I encourage that in any way possible. Love it, man. And I think that's a nice little segue to kind of maybe talk about your personal eye on there, brother. <laughs> yeah, brother. So um, we've got, I'm, I'm just looking at yours and, you know, we've got some really, uh, you know, areas there that are really strong and there's other areas that not as, you know, as high as they, you know, have been in the past. So do you want to talk to this a little bit? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, 
I can see there that I put down kind of like 7.5, like quite a higher spectrum uh, career. And I think uh, when I was going through this process on IAN, it was like looking at kind of the balance and kind of where I'm struggling at the moment, where my career is exploding, like going this way. But every time that happens on the other spectrum, this thing decreases. It's kind of like it's, it's hard to, it's like regression to the means where it will regress to the balance, but it is taking its time right now. But uh, I've really focused so much time on career that I feel like I could buy back the time later for my health and for my mental health, for that self-care. And uh, so that's currently why kind of career has kind of been up there with all of that, what I've spoken about. Uh, challenges uh, has been up there as well. But if we were to go to spirituality and family, I feel like that's that whole connection and disconnection due to space, like environmentally being away from family, being away from uh, my, well, my home, uh, basically. And uh, country. That, yeah, my country. And so um, it's really, yeah, I, I feel like at the moment of uh, just that sacrifice from being away from home has always impacted me. Um, I feel like a lot of people, it's funny, I uh, connected with a, a young uh, lady uh, recently who does a lot of uh, uh, like spiritual healing and that kind of stuff. And uh, it was crazy because when we spoke about how like she got involved with all of the stuff is that so she's Aboriginal and she's using a lot of the knowledge that she was taught from her elders to do uh, like the clairvoyant kind of stuff, but through an Aboriginal cultural perspective. And uh, she said that basically that she had been running away from this um, and run away from her gift and tried to get away from it and felt like no matter what she did, she would always be pushed to doing that. And my whole life I tried to... I always wondered, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to be the one to go away from home, to experience all these things, to try and help my people? You know, why is it me, you know? And then I realized that, you know, that regardless of what I do, I am going to end up where I was always meant to be. And uh, so I had denied my future uh, many times, but no matter what I do, uh, it has always redirected me. And I think that's kind of the challenge is really understanding what I was meant to do. And often for every single human being, it is struggling and that challenge of understanding that purpose. And that always aligned with my career. And once I aligned my purpose and the challenge of understanding that with my career, that's kind of like brought my, the challenges up where I understand these are the challenges I need to overcome to face opportunities to learn about myself and uh, that also brings that whole being away from home um, from family and I know that a lot of people right now will be impacted by that uh, especially not able to travel home and being isolated from family and because there's a big thing about you know with COVID-9 that we can't actually interact with our elders um, in case because they're most prone to actually you know uh, impacting their lives and uh, it could be fatal. Mm. And uh, I would hate for this to actually reach, you know, uh, broom or communities where, you know, there's no way of isolating. We have like a three-bedroom house where there's plenty of us in the house, you know? 
so housing is going to be a huge problem if this uh, thing reaches these small communities. And, um, and so just trying to kind of grapple and understand all these kind of things. <laughs> yeah. Mate, is, uh, I appreciate those words there. And it is really challenging, you know, that connection um, to country. Um, you know, I find myself as a non-Aboriginal, you know, there's still, I have this feeling, you know, I'm, I'm from Noongar, Buja. I've got my connection up in Bari country, up in Adilun and one arm point. And, you know, you do have that sense of home. And, yeah. um, you know, in that uh, connection, you know, your family's there. It's this place of refuge. And it's been interesting how, um, you know, communicating with my family and how they kind of have been kind of calling to get me back home um, and be there to support in this real vulnerable time. And all of a sudden that, uh, that request of family, it comes from a love, loving place, but actually that, um, you know, uncertainty in my mind creates doubt and that doubt ends up being a bit of a toxic thought and then that can you know, like roll into other negative thoughts it actually isn't good for my mental health i just found myself two days ago just in a real weak spot um as a result you know understanding all this stuff and i remember you said the other day that you know it just kind of oh, you said that uh just the other day that you've um just figured out that you mightn't be able to go back to back home for another you know potential three or even six months so you know, how did, in that moment, you know, how did you really kind of ground yourself and, and, and become accepting of that? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I feel like what has always, yes, given me comfort is my why. And once you establish that, it kind of gives you that understanding as to really why you're there, why you're doing the things you're doing. And uh, that has always comforted me at times. And uh, even though there is, you know, I speak to family and do all those kind of things. There is still that part of me that really still is like not right. Um, there'll always be a void um, that one day I will fill. And uh, I'm hoping to fill that with uh, what I achieve and the things that happen because uh, in terms of that impact um, on my people. And so at that point in time, it's always uh, Aboriginal people and that is that why and that's why i stay here that's why i keep going and um yeah it's it's like yeah if i go home i, I will go insane uh, because i'll know that i haven't done what i was meant to do yet you know and uh, yeah, i said this to it. my uh, business partner the other day and i said that because uh, we were sitting in a room and we had all these uh followers uh you know from black combi and uh, jaron andy from channel seven and uh, all these followers and uh, uh, Jeremy Ambrom, uh, actor, um, and he and we're talking about history and like how we're making history now. And I told him that no matter what, we're walking in the shoes of, uh, uh, in the footprints of the our future self, and like as if everything already exists in the future, and we're just walking in those footprints. And that's how I've kind of felt my whole life, as if if I were to do it all over again, I would be right here talking to you, and. <laughs> and that's kind of what has always given me hope and strength and my parents as well. And I feel like their ability to be like wanting me to go home and they're saying, Scott, don't worry. You don't have to do anything. You know, you can just come home, live a normal life. Um, and in that, it just gives me that kind of comfort to say, yes, I can do that. But again, uh, as that flower, I cannot deny the sweetness 
uh, to oh. the world. So. <laughs> what a closing. Yeah. You've done full circle there, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. So, um, well, I guess that's a nice, that's a very nice ending. It's probably the nicest ending I've had on this uh, little podcast, man. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people obviously really connect to your story and they probably, I'm sure, love to stay connected. Um, on social tags, where can people find you? Oh, well, I have my Instagram. Uh media page uh scott lewis wilson uh my website will be up shortly um uh, icecreamproductions.com.au uh that will be it's basically almost ready to be yeah open to the world which is awesome just going through some final things and uh yeah scott lewis wilson um check me out on my instagram um follow me there i'm on linkedin as well and facebook um and where, yeah, uh, just know that if you're listening to this and you're struggling, you know, not to normalize it, but just to give an understanding that there's so much people going through the exact same thing. And just by reaching out to people, you can impact not only your own social emotional well-being, but the social emotional well-being of others. And just so you're not alone, we're all here, and definitely jump onto Ayan uh, and this users process to talk to people and connect. And I feel like this is the time for connection. True and utter human connection. There you have it, folks. Scott Wilson, what a legend. Please follow him online. He's very active on his Instagram and social media. Scott is destined to a lot of great things. I'm going to put his contact details in the show notes. And please, if you feel like this recording will be useful to someone you know who may be going through a bit of a tough time, wants a bit of inspiration and going forth and living their dreams and setting up that business or going ahead with that art project, this is a great podcast for them. Until next time, don't forget to have a yarn with your loved ones. You never know how much they appreciate it.